Hey, Steve. Well, nice to join us here. Uh, hi, everybody, our regular listeners. Uh, this is Anthony with Small Business Exclusive. Kate is off this week. She is busy at the Lorraine County Fair slinging some hot dogs. So while she's staying busy, I'm going to hold down the fort. And we have Steve Gamlin today. Uh, Steve, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey there, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me here. My name is Steve Gamlin. I am age 55, live up in the uh, northeast part of the United States, and I enjoy life as a professional speaker, creator of the Vision Board Mastery Program, a visualization coach and author, and you know what? Just bringing humor to everything I do and everything I teach, and every day I enjoy and I get to have conversations just like this. Yeah, great. So, uh, anything? Tell us what you do with your uh, speaking and visualization codes. Because me and you have connected on that before. So, yeah. uh, share with the audience what you got going on there. Yeah, what I love doing is helping people to understand the power of visualization, and not just as a arts and crafts project like a vision board, but to really understand what the goals look like, feel like, sound like, smell like, taste like, to attach all of their senses, and it's a foreign language to so many people. So I love whether it's on a show like yours or up on stage or in a webinar, getting people to understand that they have way more control over their outcomes than they may realize. They just need to know where to look, how to surround themselves with the right people, how to know why they want what they want, because that's a big one for how much gas you have in your tank, and uh, to attach all their senses and then build an action plan. So any platform I can do that, whether it's a stage in front of a thousand people or even just little quick coaching conversations I get to have with people. This is my passion. And I absolutely love being able to do that for a living. Yeah, that's awesome. So where did that passion come from? It all started when I was 11 years old, when I was visualizing and didn't even know what it was at the time. I wanted to be a radio DJ because at the time, and I got a few birthday candles on you. At the time, there was a, a TV show called WKRP in Cincinnati and had a DJ named Dr. John. I remember that. Do you remember the... Uh... The Thanksgiving episode with the turkeys. Oh, my gosh. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. That is the show when I was 11 years old. I wanted to be a radio DJ because of Dr. Johnny Fever. Oh, yeah. I also wanted to be a stand-up comedian because at the time, Steve Martin was huge touring the world. Thanks to our mom, who instilled a love of reading and writing in myself and my sister, I wanted to write my own books. And because of a fifth grade teacher I had who was amazing, Mrs. Farron, who I recently reconnected with to thank her, she inspired me to want to coach and mentor people because whenever I finished the lessons early, she would encourage me to go help some of the students that might have been struggling with that lesson. So I wanted to be a teacher of people, but not in a classroom. I wanted to be out there, you know, with, with adults, regular people, not necessarily students. So when I was 11, I wanted to do all four of those things. And here I am, 44 years later, I have done them all. Now, here's the challenging part. Uh, I crashed and burned my life horribly several times in between these things. So <laughs> some of them grew out of the ashes. You know, it wasn't just like a Hollywood movie. It wasn't just this nice, smooth progression. Um, took a few Wiley Coyote Acme rocket roller skate, uh, skate rides off a couple of cliffs. But from the ashes came the next iteration and the right people always seem to show up at the right time to ask me questions. And yeah. that's how I've gotten to the next level. So let's dig into that a little bit. Cause I, especially as entrepreneurs, um, there's definitely some struggles. There's definitely been some struggles in, in my entrepreneur, well, pre journey. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So if you don't mind sharing, like what were some of those crashes? And then from those crashes, what did you learn and get out of that? Because everything's a learning experience. Um, most time we don't know it at the time, especially when we're going through the through the shit. But if you if you reflect back on that, what did you learn from those? Yeah. Uh, crash number one was the seventh grade spelling bee when I was 13 years old. Uh, 99% of my friends went to one school and I went to another where I knew nobody. So my confidence was pretty, you know, fragile anyway. And I get embarrassed laughingly in the spelling bee that year where I didn't realize until many, many years later, that was when I stopped raising my hand and my grades from seventh grade, when they were all A's trailed, it was like an old World War II plane that got shot and I trailed smoke and oil and eventually fire until I crashed <laughs> in the, <laughs> I graduated college by 62 one thousandths of a point. Oh, wow. I mean, no confidence, no interest. I, I got a business degree and I didn't want to pursue that. I mean, I still had these old dreams, but they were pushed way, way deep. And when I was 24, broken, depressed, living on my grandfather's couch, my friend Danny asked me, why didn't you ever follow your dream of being on the radio? You know, you talk about music, you're, you know, you're always the most animated, you know, everything about it. And it sucks to see you like this. So that was the summer of 1992. I borrowed $4,000 from my grandfather and went to broadcast school in Boston. And by the end of that, I got an internship at a rock station we'd grown up listening to. Now, internships pay nothing, but it could have led to a job, but I got my foot in the door. And I went and told my friend Danny, who I hadn't seen all summer, and he was so excited. And of course, I got the I told you so speech. And three weeks later, Danny passed away. He was 23. I was 24. He had cancer. He'd beaten it twice, and it came back very quickly. Boom. That led to a high for 10 years of me being on the radio. And at the end of that 10 years, I'd worked 15 years worth of hours because I started the DJ business on the weekend. So I was working six, seven days a week, just exhausted. And I quit radio without a full-time job, went through a right. divorce, and at age 35 was $62,000 in debt because I wasn't paying wow. attention. Sure. And then uh, a bucket of golf balls in August of 2003 on a Friday afternoon in the middle of a thunderstorm under power lines, barefoot in the wet grass at a local driving range, <laughs> holding the club up and just saying, I dare you because I was very self-deprecating and just punishing myself big time. Yeah. The next day, a life coach I just started working with asked, how was your week? And I told him the story of that hour as funny as I could make it. And he asked the question, you ever thought of being a motivational speaker or a stand-up comedian? I think you'd be great at both. Hmm. He didn't know my goals from when I was 11 and I'd forgotten all about them. And when he right. asked that, Two weeks later, I was in a comedy class. A week after that, my first Toastmasters meeting, and here we are. Yeah, wow, that's uh, that's amazing. Like, so you know, I think a lot of people get those signs because to me, like, that's a sign from God, right? Like, He didn't oh, know yeah. you could. You're it definitely could have went a different way, and then He asked that simple question, and then two weeks later, you signed up. Mm -hmm. So, what do you think the difference is between you or people who hear that question? and take the action versus the people who know they they know the answer they know the action they should be taking they hear that they hear somebody tell them but they still don't take the action to move their life forward i was always a person who you know because of you know going back to the spelling bee and just as embarrassing as that it sounds now and how petty it sounds that really bothered me for a long long time so i could say oh i always had this goal but then i would revert back to that incident 
I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not confident enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not good looking enough, whatever. I would discount myself all the time and not even seeing the signs, just think, well, I'm not good enough for that. But when somebody else would reach out to me and say, I see this in you, you know, you, you can't see it in your own mirror right now, but I see this in you. I think you'd be really good at this. And I guess in those two occasions, I actually paid attention and put my faith in them. And my favorite part of it was the coach was also named Daniel. So my friend Danny and coach Dan oh, yeah. both believed in me and both asked questions when I was at my lowest points and I took action. A host recently asked, oh, that's like a guardian angel. What does that guardian angel Daniel stand for? So I don't know. I looked it up. The guardian angel Daniel is a person who can deliver you to eloquence. He is the guardian angel of artists, of creative people, of speakers, of people who have a message to share with the world. Wow. And when I looked it up, I mean, we're talking goosebumps up both arms. And I just got them again now because I get to yeah. share it every time. There are signs around us every day, but most people don't catch them because they're staring at their shoes or their phone or doubting themselves. You know, it's like I, every time I come up for parole from past offenses, I kept sending myself back to Shawshank. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? I just kept saying, well, you know, you've grown a lot, but you're that guy who screwed up on this word and the spelling bee in seventh grade. You're not that intelligent. Despite the fact that I was tested six points shy of genius at the time. Right. I didn't see it or believe it. Sure. What's, uh, um, yeah, like that's, that's very, uh, timely you said that so I, I just got rid of some um just sold off some equipment i'm making a little bit of a change myself and uh so you know some things that you know i made a facebook post about it pretty recently like hey you know like these things were like i was very proud of them at one point and i worked very hard to acquire a lot of that stuff and uh less than 24 hours after selling it i got two random text messages from some friends just saying Hey man, you know, like keep going, like just encouraging text messages, things that you don't, because I mean, sometimes we get those, but mm -hmm. it's not very common that you would receive a random text message at six o'clock in the morning, you know, wishing you a good day. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so like, it's just kind of the, it's one of those signs that's at that point that tells you you're going in the correct direction and to keep on going. Yeah. It's like you made room for those to show up in such a way that when you offloaded this baggage or whatever it is you know at the time you needed it great it served its purpose and now you're just kind of dragging it along it's taking up space you you kick that to the curb and all of a sudden this good energy comes in and fills right. up the the gap i i can't even tell you how many times that's happened to me in my life and i just laugh every time and you know some people are more religious than i am i'm spiritual me and god have a good relationship i talk to god every day I always look up and I go, yeah, yeah, I saw that. And I just laugh. I'm like, uh, uh, you and me, we're good. We're good. Yeah. That whole, every time I hear, you know, thunder now, I still think it's God laughing about me, daring him to take me out at the driving range 20 right. years ago. And uh, matter of fact, I wrote a book recently for somebody. It's a, it's a faith and spirituality book. And the opening line was, I make God laugh a yeah. lot. <laughs> okay so let's let's okay so that's a good question so i go to church uh, i started going to church pretty regularly um every week if not every every other week if not every week mm -hmm. i didn't have a relationship with god at all most of my life and this is pretty new till the last year and a half or so for me um mm -hmm. so one of the my viewpoints is so like i've read a, a book um uh, escapes the name of me right now, but it talks about visualization. Mm -hmm. And 
in it, like, you know, you kind of calm your, calm your mind and kind of breathe deep, deep and, you know, do some things that kind of help bring that about. I have a viewpoint that visualization and meditating is very similar, if not the same as praying, praying. I think they're going to the same energy. So in your mind, since you're a visualization coach, is praying and God a separate from your visualization visualization energy? Or do you think that's going to the same area? Like, what, what are your thoughts on something like that? Yeah, if your faith is strong, it's very much, I believe, the same energy and exercise. What you're doing is putting yourself in a calm place. You're putting your, you're aligning yourself with the power, the the higher power that you choose to believe in. You're asking for strength. You're, you know, you're digging in deep saying, hey, this is an us thing. It's a we thing. It's not just a me thing. It's a we thing. So keeping me in alignment with your teachings, whatever you choose to believe in, help me to see the opportunities, help me to design the best life. And a big part of visualization and vision boards for me is there are eight areas of life. And two of them include your core values and your faith and spirituality, which guide your thoughts, your words, and your actions just from a slightly different direction. One from within, one from the outside. Mm -hmm. So if you can align yourself with that, and if it brings you comfort and strength to rely on your faith and make that a part of it, rock and roll. I mean, go for it. You know, and there's some people that say, well, I'm really not a strong faith person for whatever reason. That's okay. Because there's still a power inside you when you can, I believe when you can make them both work together from the inside and the outside meet in the middle. I think you, you set yourself up to be unstoppable, sure. but you got to play by the right rules. You know, there are people out there who claim to be, you know, this, this wonderful connection with God, but yet I see some of their actions and I'm like, Ooh, I thought I was in danger of lightning hitting me <laughs> and I held up a metal, you know, golf club under power lines, barefoot in the wet grass in a storm. And I see the way some other people operate in life. You know, they claim one thing, but they live another. And we see it out there every day. Nobody's perfect. I get, it. I'm not a perfect person either. Right. But I believe that those are very aligned in, in to, to have one foot on your inside and one foot outside. Yeah, that's that's a powerful way to go through life, not in a fear way of being struck by lightning, but in a strength way, saying, all right, you and me together, it's a we thing. Let's let's go create the best version of me in every way, in all eight areas of my life, not just the whole work life or just money, money, money sort of thing. Let me let me become the best version of myself. Sure. So what are the other uh six areas? They are, and it goes right around a life wheel, which is a pretty standard tool in the personal development world. I've tweaked one to kind of align with the way I teach things. Your physical health, your emotional well-being, your relationships, your core values, your faith, your connection to people in a real way, your work, and your money. And here's here's why I say all these things, because some people go, you mean I got to set goals in eight areas of life? Here's the thing. They're all working together 24-7 anyway. Right. So wouldn't it be a good idea to have some <laughs> idea of the direction you want to take them all in? And the best part, what I do to reduce overwhelm is tell people, look, even if you just work on one, it can impact all of the others in a positive way. So be a little more intentional, develop better habits, build up your confidence, try new things. Just keep trying and stretching yourself because what you get is not as important as who you become and who you become goes back to your habits, momentum. Etc. But I have all eight of those areas operating at all times in my awareness. So, uh, 
not trying to not get too far off track since we are, you know, trying to keep focus on small businesses here. Sure. Do you think that could relate to like a small business, like a success strategy for them? Oh, hundred percent. You know, we see people look at America as the land of the most overweight people on the planet. I swear we are the, oh, we're like the sloth. It's terrible. You know, if, if, if America had a spirit animal, I think for too many people, it's a sloth. So what I tell people is look, if you choose to just improve your physical health by maybe not drinking as much or having bad habits or eating better food or exercising more and getting more sleep, the amount of sleep, God, we're such a sleep deprived nation. If you do that and you take better care of your physical health and you sleep better, it means you wake up, you have more energy and better focus. When you do that, you can work harder and more efficiently. When you work harder and more efficiently, you can make more money. When you make more money, you can maybe buy back a little freedom and improve the quality of your relationship. Now, your emotional quality is also going to be on the rise because you're doing all these things to create wins in your life. And if you do it playing by your core values in whatever you believe in for your faith, you're going to be on a better track. And then your connection with people is going to be more real. So just by taking care of your physical health, you've just impacted the quality of you for your business, whatever you do, whether you're an entrepreneur or you work for somebody else for now, maybe a side hustle. Just by doing that one thing, you can create bigger wins in this area here. It's going at how you do everything can impact the results you get on the other side. And of course, we've seen the opposite where people just they're just right in people's faces and screaming to get the sale, to get the sale, churn and burn. That for me is not an acceptable approach for me. Maybe it works for other people. Right. I'm not that guy. I want to build relationships in my business. That's why I've had some of my speaking clients this January. One of them is going to be the 16th year in a row. They've hired me to come in. Oh, wow. Their entire company and work with them to build their vision and also follow up coaching throughout the year. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I would definitely say like, I mean, that's kind of where it started for me. Um, you know, I, I'd gone through some struggles and one of the very first things I did that I could control was I just started working back out again. Um, you know, and, and for me, it was 75 hard. I mean, it took me four attempts to get through it, but I did finally get through it and I completed the whole entire live hard program. Um, you know, I lost 35 pounds of 43 years old. I have a six pack now, nice. um, you know, like, awesome. but it's I love hearing that. And that's not where I started. I started over, you know, six, a 41 year old man that was out of shape and fat, had a beer gut and drank way too much and stayed up way too late. And uh, that was just a simple thing that started changing a lot of stuff for me just by that one action of getting myself back in shape. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not, not everybody has to be that extreme, but even, you know, I try to tell people just get up and go for a walk in the morning. You know, when it's quiet and there's no no distractions, leave your phone at home, you know, get up early and just connect with nature and move your body. Yeah. Yeah. We live out in the woods in a small town in New Hampshire and there we live on a dead end street off another dead end street in the woods. Yeah. So we've got animals around here. We got two roosters next door, one of whom just sounds drunk all day long because they, <laughs> they don't just crow in the morning. They go all day. Yeah. So this morning it was a nice, cool New England morning. So I went out to do my mile plus warm up walk. And when I opened the garage door, I saw a big shadow fly past me on the driveway. And I looked up. We had turkeys on the roof of our house. <laughs> and at least two of them were up there because they kind of dive bombed me a little bit going down the lawn. Yeah. And I just sat there laughing. And again, <laughs> I, I had my phone in my pocket just to take a picture because I usually listen to uh, you know podcasts and positive stuff. 
But I just sat there laughing. I'm like, oh my gosh. Then I looked up the meaning of turkeys. It's all about courage and tenacity and gratitude and all of these things. So I thought, okay, a bird most people laugh at just inspired me because we got some stuff going on here at the house now, some big repairs coming up that we didn't expect. And a bird of courage, a turkey, two of them dive bombed me this morning and started off my day on a really good note to dig out from under some of the pressures and stresses we've been through just have a laugh and start with a better attitude, but taking care of myself, uh, 29 and a half months without a drop of alcohol. When prior to that, I weighed 247 soggy pounds, bloated drinking a 94 proof rum bottle a week. Yeah. Wow. As a lazy habit in the evening of a very tall rum and Coke, sometimes two. Sure. Lazy habit started walking, started replacing the rum and Coke with water. 20 plus pounds down feeling good yeah and my connection with people is so much better and i sleep better right. i don't even need the cpap machine anymore because i'm not stopping breathing six times an hour like i used to scaring the heck out of my tina right right yeah so okay i mean that i mean those two subjects kind of lead to my next question which was you know what are some of the challenges and solutions um that you've in, in, you've encountered as a small business owner and, you know, obviously one of those challenges was, you know, drinking and being a little lazy. So what else was there that you might have overcome on your, on your journey? Uh, the past few years, and I get asked this a lot, Steve, you have an event-based business. How have the past few years impacted you? I said, oh, you mean three deaths in a pandemic? In almost five years, we lost my dad, lost my mentor who built the entire digital backend and every part of my business. behind the scenes and our little dog super teddy who i made famous for 11 years he was more (laughs) famous than i was (laughs) so in that amount of time had three deaths and also the pandemic when you own two event-based businesses and on march 14th 2020 they both just got shut down and you go from being a regular event person to having virtually no income for seven months And then not being able to be out with people because I'm a very social connected person. And what happens from that is things get a little bit dark and it's been a struggle the past few years. Yeah. Getting through that. And I even commented to somebody this morning, I said, me, one of the most outgoing introverts out there, I said, I struggled with social anxiety over the past couple of years, getting back out there. Sure. Right. Right you know, networking and, and being on stage, which, oh, I love being on stage. I've, I've been on a few big ones this year and I, I missed yeah, it good. so much, but that was a big struggle. And one of the things that kept me going, even in the pandemic, if I went more than a day or two without human contact, I get a little wonky. Yeah. So I would drive into town commit as many acts of kindness as I could in 15 minutes. And then I would drive home and I was different every time. Oh, that's great. I would go recharge myself. Even if I was just rescuing shopping carts, I call it shopping cart rodeo. Sure. Right. If I was out leaving plus signs in my wake, wherever I went, I always came home better. And that really was a huge help over the past few years. So getting back in gear and all this stuff, very excited for everything I've got going on now because I've aligned with even more better people as I've grown, being a part of Apex, uh, just signed up actually today to start working with a new mentor for my digital programs and products and coaching. So it's, it's been an exciting road back. So I guess, you know, back in the ashes a little bit. Yeah. At least on the mental and emotional side over the past couple of years, took some big hits, but uh, are you still doing, uh, are you still doing acts of kindness? 
Oh, every day, wherever yeah. I go, as soon as I get out of the car, the first thing I ask myself, I'll look around and say, all right, how can I leave this situation a little better than I found it? And when you yeah. ask a question like that, an answer will appear in the form of a person who might be struggling with a carriage or just finishing putting their groceries in the car. And it's just, excuse me, would you like me to return that for you? Yeah. Hold right. the door, pay a compliment. The ladies at the deli counter at our grocery store, whether I'm buying anything or not, I stop over and I make them laugh every time I go in the store. Sure. When you wire yourself like that, you you can't help but win. You know, we've got an Apex brother, Kevin Faulkner, mm -hmm. who's been through 75 hard several times. Every once in a while, he puts a post up. Man, I could eat a whole chocolate cake right now. Well, whenever I see one of Kevin's, you know, posts like that, I go to the store, I go to the candy aisle, and we've just got this inside joke where I take a picture of me giving the finger to a candy bar and I send it to Kevin. <laughs> I could make a calendar yeah. out of all the shots. I've done it probably 40 times now. Right. But little things like that and and the people I love and care about, if there's an opportunity to make their day with something as simple as me giving the finger to a candy bar. Right. <laughs> or a voice message from my recording studio. Come on, God gave me this voice. I should use it. Absolutely. Yeah. So little tiny ways to, you know, to, to make someone's day or just to, to toss that little pebble in, in the stream to make the water go just a little bit different direction. Right. Yeah. It doesn't, one of the things that I, I like to do a lot is um, if I'm out to eat someplace a lot, like I will ask the waiter for just give me someone's check. Like, just give me someone's check. Just, I don't, don't even tell them it was me. Like most time I get up and leave before ever any acknowledgement ever comes. Um, but I, I, I love it, man. It's, it's one of the coolest experiences, like to be able to sit, like I try, I don't want to attract the wrong energy from that. So like, I don't, I try not to see the reaction a lot of times, mm -hmm. but a couple of times I've caught it and it's just really cool to see, you know, there was a, um, a mother on mother's day in a, a family there, two little kids, you know, and I was sitting, uh, me and my, me and my ex-girlfriend were sitting across the table from them. And, uh, you know, and when they found out like the look on their face, like it was just, you know, cause you could tell they hadn't been out for a while. They got two little, little kids, you know, and, uh, like it was just one of the coolest things. And so, but it doesn't have to be that extreme. I mean, it, like you said, it could be shopping carts or, you know, wiping up a bathroom sink or, you know, just anything to make somebody like holding the door open. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything super extreme. Just, just give back a little bit just to make the world a little bit better place yeah. and a little bit of positivity in it. Yeah. And I love that with, with you guys at the restaurant doing that. That's, and when you do it from a place, even if you do see it in, in, I've done similar things. I just tell the staff member, just don't point at me. Don't look at me. Don't say it was for me or anything. I just want them to know that somebody cares and wants them to have a great day. And that's yeah, one of my favorites ever. I, I was, I spent an entire day because a newspaper reporter asked, Hey, Steve, how many acts of kindness do you think you can commit in a day? I said, I don't know. hundred. She says, right. you want to find out? Let's, let's spend a day out just doing as many as we can for as little money as possible. Sure. We did, we did 50. Wow. In a day. Awesome. And I was exhausted. Yeah. Was like, that was like nine hours. And I'm like, okay, I want to go home now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the first thing we did, somebody had given me a $20 Dunkin' Donuts gift card. And I went to Dunkin's and I, I paid cash for my, you know, my bagel and my, my hot chocolate. Yep. And I slid it across the counter, the gift card. And I said, do me a favor. I said, don't point at me. I'm just going to sit over there. I said, let this ride for as long as it can and just pay for people's stuff. 
And he goes, sir, I'm the store manager. And this is awesome. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, that's great. great. <laughs> and so I went and sat where well, there were two lines of people. There was a young lady who was uh, she was still in scrubs. So she would I think, just done a night shift at the local hospital. And she yep. turned around with a big smile. The next one was a, a group of guys that get there every day. You know, they talk about sports and politics and, and bust each other's chops all day. Where this little fire plug of a guy turns around and he goes, hey, Charlie, you got in the wrong line. Someone paid for my coffee. <laughs> and I'm sitting there trying not to laugh. But it was the even now. I mean, that was 10 years ago. Even now. The, and someone gave me the 20 bucks. Didn't cost me anything. I just paid sure. it forward. Right. But that moment that made that guy's day and gave him that little bit of leverage on his friends to bust their chops. Yeah. It was the best. It was the best feeling. And the, the reporter leaned over. She goes, now I know why you do this. She goes, that was so cool to watch. Right. Like we are just getting started. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing that the impact you can have like that uh, experience I just talked about. So the, yeah. the waiter came back over. He was a young, young man. And just getting out of co- getting ready to get out of college, and he literally walked over to me and said, "That was the nicest thing, and I'm so glad I got to see it because I'm graduating college, yep. and I'm scared to go into the real world, and um, it makes me it encourages me to see there's actually good people out here, oh, like man. like that's some, like and to me that's shocking because I think of a young a young college age man being scared to go into the real world like that." that's not on my radar at all. And he literally said that he was scared to go into the real world. And because of what he saw for me, like helps encourage him is, is how he put it. And so like that, like you just never know how you can impact somebody by even just the smallest of gestures. Yeah. We never know where the ripples go. And that's the beautiful Correct. part of this. You know, you, you could find out 10 years later, run into that young man and have him go, Hey, uh, were you that guy? And you say, oh, my gosh, yeah, oh, you graduated college and all that. What are you doing now? He may tell you something that because of that moment that he did. I had a guy come up to me in a grocery store once. He walks past me in the Captain Crunch aisle, and he goes, hey, man, you're that speaker, right? And I turn around, and we're the only two in the aisle. I said, yes, sir, what do you remember? He told me a story I told on stage, the yeah. picture that was on the screen, the lesson of it. And I said, all right, what would you do with it? He said, oh, a week later, I had a job interview. And I remembered the lesson and I got the job and we figured out it had been three years since that event, since I was on wow. stage. And he said, I never thought I'd, I'd see you again, but I'm glad I ran into you. I wasn't scheduled to be in the store that day. Sure. I was driving by between meetings and realized I had a few extra minutes. So I had to get some breakfast bars. That's why I was there. You know, we yep. know I was supposed to be there, but I wasn't scheduled to be there. Right. Right. In a ripple. From an event I did for free. I did 43 events for free for the state of Mass State of New Hampshire for unemployment networking groups. Yep. Didn't even get paid. Wow. But I was supposed to be there. And people say, oh, Steve, you're like their angel. I'm like, no, I see it as their mine. Yeah. That's how I see it. They yeah. they enrich my life. It, it's it's not necessarily that you know, I'm this all-powerful Oz coming in to, to change your life. We're changing each other's lives by having conversations just like you and I are having right now. Correct. It's it's not a one it's not a one-way street. You might have helped him and maybe out of all you know, maybe out of all those presentations, he was the only one that you helped get a job. Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but that how did that job change his family's direction? 
You know, I mean, like he's putting food on the, ta- on the table for his wife, for his kids. And then in return, you get back that same energy that fills you up, that keeps you going and keeps your message getting out there to more to the next person who needs next person down the line that needs to hear. It. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surrounded by angels all the time. And some, some of the days that I leave the house to go commit an act of kindness, it's because I'm having a rough day. You know, I, I didn't have any errands, but I was just frustrated. And I said, look, I, I just want to clear my head and clear my heart. So I'm going to so, go out okay. and just run into I, town. I, I got to take, we, we can go back to that in a second, but I just yeah. have to like repeat what you just said. Yeah. When you are having a rough day, you go out and can create an act of kindness mm-hmm. where so many people have a rough day and they go to the bar or they complain or something that just feeds into that negative energy where you actually completely switch it around and go out and help somebody mm-hmm. like that's that's invaluable information for anybody listening it's a good habit yeah it really is because it keeps your keeps your shoes a little cleaner right. <laughs> you don't just keep <laughs> stepping in dog crap all day wondering what the smell is or or you know cursing the dog um it, it's a really good habit that i developed over time and it's every single time there's somebody out there there's an experience that makes it better and i come home different yep yeah that's amazing um so what was there an event in your life that happened that where you made that switch or was it just something that just naturally progressed over time it progressed over time when we were kids my mom had told my sister and i when we were like you know nine ten years old that someday she wanted to buy an old building invite homeless veterans to live there and be as self-sufficient as possible and build them back up. And about 11 or 12 years ago, she read a newspaper article about a place in the city that I grew up in a mile from the house I grew up in that was actually doing that. Wow. And she said, Hey, do you remember what I said when, when you kids were small about this, this, this? And I said, yeah. Because I just found a place that's already doing it. So why don't we reach out to them and just ask what we can do to help? Sure. That was a big shift. That was, uh, yeah, about 11 years ago. And that's when the intentional acts of kindness kicked back in. And that's when it became a more prevalent part of my daily, weekly schedule. To remember to be kind, because it also educated me. I said, what do you need? They said, canned goods. For something as simple as a dollar ten can of potatoes or vegetables or you know little fruit boxes or or stuff like that how simple it could be to be kind and how affordable right where so many people say oh when i win the lottery i'm gonna you know they're bribing god for lottery numbers you know when i win the billion dollars i'll give back right right you don't need it you know i had a a a meme a few years ago i created in january 2016 when the powerball was just shy of a billion people in line on the news Oh, when I win, I'm going to give back to charity and help people. I said, look, for $1.79, you can buy a loaf of bread, 85 cents for a can of tuna fish. Granola bars are cheap. A warm pair of gloves could save a life, and you already own a coat you don't wear. So knock it off. Right. Right. Give. It was my first viral post ever. Within 11 days, 4.1 million people had seen it, and it was shared 53,500 times. Oh, wow. That's great. That's amazing. Very blessed. You know, when it hit a thousand, I'm like, oh my God, I'm viral. (laughs) Right. Million. But it it educated a lot of people because 
you know, some people, of course, trolled me. Where do you get those prices? I'm like, those are the prices I pay. Yeah. But then other people said, oh, hey, you know, I went and did this this week because I saw that post. Thank you. That was really fun. I, I taught my kids how to give. They each got to hand a canned good. We made cookies for a local shelter. Right. Yeah. That's that awful. little message, all because my mom shared a goal with us when we were kids about yeah. how important it is to give. And it's that little it's hippie giving mission is now a 501c3 that my family launched called Beach Bum Philanthropy. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. This is a, a very timely conversation. It follows right in line with uh, what the pastor was talking about just a couple of days ago on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we were talking, he was talking about giving and he said, uh, he, he cited a study that said, no matter how much money you make, you always think it's double the amount before you think you should be giving. So if you make $30,000, you think you need to be making $60,000 before you can afford to give. If you make $100,000, you think you can't afford to give until you make, because you think $200,000 is where you become rich at. And uh, so basically his whole message was giving is a condition of the heart, not of the wallet, because you can always find ways to do it no matter the amount of money in your bank account. Mm-hmm. Like that's irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mindset thing. There's There's always enough to give because it doesn't have to be money. Right. You know, you can volunteer. We at one point, the the shelter that was helping the homeless veterans, we asked them, you know, how about if we made some bag lunches for you? You know, with a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, something that wouldn't spoil, you know, for a couple of days, PB&J, a piece of fruit, maybe some crackers or something like that. And they said, oh, that'd be wonderful. And between my kitchen, my mom and my stepmom, at one point, we were making between 12 and 1500 bag lunches a year. Oh, wow. And just bringing them in, you know, mom sure. brought them on Monday. I brought them Wednesday. My stepmom brought Thursday because that way they could last through the weekend. Right. right. And they don't need those anymore. So now we do other things. You know, the greatest thing you can do is reach out to a shelter or a church or a food pantry and just say, look, I have $10. I have $5. I have $25. What do you need? Right. How, can I, how can I help you? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, Steve, we are getting close to time. Uh, so it's great. This is actually not even, didn't even go anywhere close to where I thought it was going to go, but it's been a great conversation. So what's the uh, final thoughts or statement that you'd like to leave with the listeners? Big lesson is, and this comes from one of my grandfathers who never said the words, but he lived them. And by getting to observe him for a good chunk of my life, I learned the lesson. Leave at least one situation a day better than you find it in some way. doesn't require money. It might just require a little bit of kindness or a little bit of patience or a compliment, even just a kind word, leave at least one situation a day better than you found it. And what I found, oh, it's addictive as, as heck, really. It's a blast. Yeah. I've gamified it because I've made kindness and giving fun. Right. And when you make it fun, you just want to do more of it. Absolutely. So that's that's a lesson from watching one of my grandfathers, my Pepe on the French side. So right. <laughs> yep, that was for you. And yeah. thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Steve, we greatly appreciate your time. Uh, If anybody wants to connect with Steve, where can they find you at? Nice and easy. You can find me at stevegamlin.com. And that's gamlin, G-A-M-L-I-N.com. Well, appreciate it, Steve. Hopefully, uh, listeners, I'm sure they got plenty of good nuggets out of there. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will catch you soon. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, thanks.